What's going on, folks? Welcome to episode 173, Black Self-Care, right? Mm. We do a whole lot of self-caring about a whole lot of other stuff, but it's the eight black hands, so we're going to do black self-care mm. tonight. So um, let's do a little check-in. Uh, we'll start with the with the, uh, the the birthday boy. What's happening, sir? Oh, not much, man. I'm good. I'm happy to, happy to be here. I know I'll be having some travel coming up in the next few weeks, so I definitely didn't want to miss this if I had to potentially miss another one. But hopefully I don't have to miss any shows. But um, but yeah, I'm good. Happy to be here. Good to see y'all, man. Thank you for the well wishes, Raymond. Um, I feel like the the picture that you chose for me was violence. I just wanted to tell you that. I feel like you were like, let me find the worst one of him, and because uh, we have millions of pictures, we have a ton. We have professional pictures that like make us all look good. So Chris, thank you for jumping into that line, brother. And, and I feel like I chose a good one. I feel like I chose yes, a good picture. Yours was I nice. Yeah. I feel like Ray said, what is the doofiest one of this guy? But I love you, Raymond. Thank you. Now Sorry. I got to go look for that. Oh, hold up. Wait. It got a lot of love. I want, I want to clear the air. I want to clear the air. Right? <laughs> I feel like you, as, a, as a young gent, I feel like you're a very attractive guy, right? I appreciate very that. Smart, very smart guy. So, like, there's no wrong picture, right? So no, there's a the wrong picture, any- Negro. It's <laughs> <laughs> the wrong picture. <laughs> yeah. But Reece, thank how you, you doing? You, you out, in, out in these woods chasing bears. How you doing? Hey man, good, good, good. I'm hoping, you know, hoping that nature comes up as part of the show, you know what I mean? Which I'm sure it will is an important part of uh <laughs> self-care. But you know, doing well, man, doing well. I was out there, you know, with the bullfrogs and the turtles today. It's a good day. Good day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It won't. Breezy, how you doing? <laughs> I'm good, man. Blessed. As always, blessed, got a job, employed, have food, uh, so we are good. Excited yeah. to talk tonight about uh, self-care again, Yeah, uh, which, you know, self-care is for white people, but go ahead, bro. <laughs> well, hey, I disavow from that. And so, so, real quick, you got one real quick. Folks, uh, if you're listening to us now, uh, I'm putting something in the chat, right? We're going to try something different. It's a jam board, right? For those of you that are familiar, go in, you click the plus, go to the um, the um, the pad, and then you can put something in jam board to let us know you're rocking with us, all right? If you're in the comments where you're at, let us know. Uh, self-care, uh, where's your mental health? One to five, five being great, uh, one being you're struggling. Uh, we're gonna help, we're gonna work through it tonight. Our guest tonight, special guest to me, uh, one of my good friends, Dr. Jadan Phillips, uh, BA, John Hopkins University Med School, University of Maryland. He did his uh, medical residency at the University of Stony Brook, my alma mater, um, and he is currently the associate dean of students and minority affairs at the University of Stony Brook. He's also a uh, family care practitioner. And an all-around good dude from Queens. Uh, welcome, uh, our guest, Dr. Jadan Phillips. Hey, good evening, fellas. Good evening. Good evening. Hey, welcome, welcome. All right, thank you. How you feeling, man? How was your week? Week was good. I, I'm uh, still uh, sort of, you know, flowing in the, the groove from uh, Charlotte. We had our national convention down there for Omega Sci-Fi. So it was a, a pleasure trip, but also a working trip because we had a couple sessions, we had a health exhibition, you know, just trying to get some information. Uh, You know, some of our platforms, you know, deal with uh, heart health, 
um, healthcare disparities, um, COVID and its impact in our communities, mental health issues. So we had some, uh, you know, activities that were directed towards those. Um, it was always good to get with the brothers. You know, you run into your friends over the years, you know, because, you know, the hood will remind you if you got too big or, you know, on them. So, you know, the Omega hood is like that. But it was a great time, you know, still, you know, basking in the good, you know, the good times, but also recognizing the work that all of us have in front of us, you know, because uh, you get to see 25,000 black men and you just realize how powerful that is and, you know, how important, you know, especially what's going on in the country right now. How can we get that in the direction of moving um, in a way that is helpful to our community in a major way? Appreciate you, bro. Appreciate you shouting out the bros from Omega Sci-Fi. Reef, you got anything you want to say about the bros of Omega Sci-Fi? <laughs> I, I just want to say, I, I know the postal USPS, U.S. Postal Service is... is uh, Your mic, bro. Hmm. It's something trash. Anyways. Um, <laughs> <laughs> y'all just said y'all can hear me. Y'all can't, can't hear me, huh? No, we, we can hear you. It's just like it's distorted. It has a, distorted. Okay. Like it's something that's like not all the way plugged in or whatnot. But go ahead. Yeah, keep it sounds going like he's using a PC. <laughs> <laughs> I see the haze is real on here. He's about to come in and talk about his days at IUP. He promises me that he was recruited by the bros at IUP. And look, he's I don't lying. Have- He's I don't not have lying. To, yeah. I'm, I'm giving I'm capable. He's not lying. Because in Indiana, I went and found some old school SG roads, and they were like, Yeah, he's telling the truth. So listen, back to listen, the USPS, they they've been slow in delivering. So I know my invite to Charlotte is is probably gonna come a day or two later, but you know, that's unfortunate. But this I'm guy. sure it's just it's just delayed, you know what I mean? But I'm, I'm, I hope you held it down, even though I wasn't able to make it. You know what I mean? All right, <laughs> mental health, right? Uh, and, and self care. So, 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 to set this up, right? Um, I guess I'll even make this personal. A couple years back, I had my own uh, health challenges due to high stress at work. Right? Uh, I woke up and I just I. I had like a sweet taste in my mouth. I was sweating profusely and I had all kinds of things going on. I didn't know what was happening. Right. And so um, I didn't even think to even think that it may have been diabetes because it's, it runs in my family. Right. But um, ended up going to the hospital, getting rushed to the hospital. Blood sugar was like over a thousand. Right. Because like I had been eating and like overstressing, uh, about work and like all these other things and so you know it, it was crazy I damn near died right and so that's that's why I'm I'm, I'm so health conscious now uh, in terms of like you know just, just making sure everybody's doing what they need to do in order to be on top of the game and one of the folks that got me on my game in terms of like me showing up the way that I need to show up is the good doctor right here uh, one, one of my good friends and so I know that there are folks in this audience right now that are experiencing some of the things that I experienced with having high stress jobs, because if you're teaching, if you're an educator, that is a high stress job. If you're a social worker, that is a high stress job. If you are working uh, in, in, and you're dealing with philanthropy, that is a high stress job, right? Because you are thinking about, you know, how you're getting other people paid, you're putting other people's stresses 
uh, on your plate. And, uh, and, you know, it's, it's, it's real, right? This, this, this ish is real, as they would say. And so we're going to have a real conversation tonight about what black uh, self-care looks like because, oh, it's real, right? And so, Jay, man, what, what kind of advice you have for folks that are working in high-stress environments? Well, I think, you know, I think just being a black man in America is high stress. So that could be just as stressful as any of those occupations that you mentioned. But I think the one thing is we've got to take a proactive or preventive approach. I think, you know, we have always been reactionary, meaning we'll deal with whatever comes our way and we'll handle it. But unfortunately, we are seeing that as you look at that type of strategy with your health, and we've gotten into this time where you've got these other issues that affect our community in a major way, such as access to quality medical care. Um, in addition to that, just having resources for good food in your community or places to go exercise, et cetera. You know, when you don't take a preventive approach in on top of those issues, I think you set yourself up for problems. I mean, just as much as I've heard people having issues with COVID, I mean, Yes, I remember your phone call. I've had other people that have had issues with their blood pressure being extremely high, whether they've had a stroke or other complications or just symptoms of their blood pressure being high. So I just think that what we're seeing is that taking a reactionary approach is cutting us off at a time that should be, you know, around the prime of our lives. Yeah. Um Fellas, jump in. Uh, what, what what kind of questions y'all got, man? What kind of things y'all want to share? Yeah, I mean, for me, the uh, the proactive piece is so important. Like how, you know, how can folks, you know, reconcile just existing in this space? And then what are just some few, you know, if you don't have high budget, you don't have a lot of time. What are those like simple things that people can do proactively? Mm -hmm. uh, particularly, you know, school is about to start for some, it probably already started. You know, um, and as, as Ray said, you know, black being black in America and then being black in American schools, there's a whole lot of similarities or compounded stress, you know. Um, and then you're working with children where there's a you, you may be taking on vicarious, you know, trauma and you're already dealing with. I talk about like a three pronged uh, issue as a black educator. You may be dealing with macroaggressions of your colleagues and supervisors. You're remembering your own trauma from when you were in those very seats. And now you may be trying to protect children that look like you. Um, so those three things on top of being black in America. Uh, so what are just some proactive things with folks that particularly don't have a lot of time to, well, you know, just what, be, you know. What I would say to you is this, diabetes don't care about what you got to do at work, bro. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So again, diabetes don't, my brother got a great, you know, he's got an important job like the rest of you guys do. And that issue had to be addressed. If not, he would be on the floor. So I, I think understanding that your health is not going to take a back seat to your responsibilities. And if you don't figure out how to put some regular attention to your health, no matter how much you have to do or how great you are at what you do or how many people you help with what you do, your health is not going to give you a pass. But Doc, what does that look like? Cutting, I mean, not eating okay, donuts. No, I, like, I, I, think, I think the first thing is, you know, um, finding out what you're dealing with. Now, we, you know, I think COVID exposed that people have different approaches 
on how they approach their health care. But at the end of the day, whether you go to the doctor regularly or not, you still need to know what your blood pressure is. You still need to know what your lab values are, what your sugar level, what your cholesterol level is. You know, because again, if you don't take medications, you've got to be doing things that compensate for you not taking medications. So that means that you need to be getting good rest. That means that you need to be finding time to get some exercise. When I was doing my residency and I had to be at the hospital at six o'clock in the morning, I was running in the street at four o'clock in the morning because that's what I do to make sure that I'm capable because as a family doctor, I don't only just deal with people's medical issues because I'm the person that they tend to talk to. I get their family issues. I get their life issues. I talk to them about their mental health. So, and because I am a captive audience, that means that they pay for my time. So if I don't make sure that I have space to deal with that, then I'm going to start fumbling on my job. So with that, going to the doctor regularly, because unfortunately, one of the things we've seen, we don't go to the doctor. We go to the doctor more or engage the medical system more on a reactionary basis instead of a preventive basis. And I think we've got to flip that approach. So when you go, say they say your blood pressure is high, your cholesterol is high, you can start to structure a personalized plan based on what you got to deal with. Now, the other thing is, you know, a lot of times in our families, you know, we don't talk about medical history. So you might have someone that has colon cancer, who has prostate cancer, that might be what they refer to as a first degree relative, a sibling or a parent. And that means that you might be at a higher risk. So you're getting tested for those conditions, especially because I see that I'm not the only person here with gray in, on my face. We all around the age of 50 or approaching that. And when you get to that age, now it's time to think about things like a colonoscopy. Now it's hey, bro, don't put 50 on me, B. I got you. Don't put 50 on you, young man. I'm talking about the other gray, gray beards up here. The silverbacks know who they are. <laughs> Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you, brother. That just hurt. Right. No, it's right. all good. We had right. just said just we having a, a conversation. So just it's all good. It's all good. Actually, I don't. Hey, Chris, jump, Chris, jump in here, man. What are, you, what are your thoughts? <clears throat> I mean, I don't know what to think about this as a topic because it feels like it's not a lack of knowledge. Uh, we have heard this, you know. If you're Charles and you you you're a decade behind me, and if you're about a decade behind Charles and you're a decade ahead of me, we have heard about diabetes. We've heard about how sedentary lifestyles can be a killer. We've heard about fried foods, about the need for more vegetables or whatnot. We blood pressure, uh, diabetes. Um, I don't come from a family where people were afraid to talk about their ailments. As a matter of fact, I come from a family that was willing to like share all their ailments, and you know they send send you to the to the pharmacy to pick up all their medications. And, you know, as a child, I can even remember certain family members that was taking eight, nine medications or whatnot. It was just a normal thing. You know, have family members with limbs missing, fingers missing, you know, parts of the finger missing, just all kinds of stuff. And, you know, I associated getting old with those things. Like, you know, as you got older, it was just natural that you were going to become heavier, more heavy set. Uh, and then you were going to start having, you're going to take medications and then you were going to, um, you know, then you're going to have some issues, have some problems uh, that didn't fare well for me. I remember in fourth grade actually getting a phone call from a family friend. So I would have been in fifth grade, actually. 
And th these friends would have been, family friends would have been about 40, 45, like in that age range. And it was just a call of extreme terror. And I knew the couple, but uh, the male of the couple had just passed away from a heart attack that night. And they, we were one of the first phone calls that she made to, to tell us. I remember as a kid thinking, damn, life is fleeting. Like this could just happen at any time and whatnot. But there was a sense of like 45 was really old to me at that time. Like, oh, wow. But that happens to way older people. Man, that, that age creeps up on you real quick, right? There are things that you need to be thinking about at, at 30, at 40, at 50. And some of us attend to them and some of us don't. There are some things that feel like you're just going to lose no matter what, right? Like, you know, you know what your cholesterol is. You do change your diet. I've changed my diet a lot, you know, and you still have issues that pop up and creep up or whatnot. So anyways, I don't know what, what point I'm making except to say this comes down to an extreme matter of personal choice. And I think a lot of people would rather a happy lifestyle of doing things that are not good for you health-wise than an, an unhappy lifestyle, but being very healthy. <laughs> Meaning eating bland, dry ass food with no salt on it, no butter, no oils. Bro, listen, during my, my vegan- You a real good vegan some stuff. Bro, during my vegan period, I remember following all these vegan people. And one of them said that oil is the vegan killer. Meaning you could be doing everything else right, but if you cook your food in any oil whatsoever, any oil, any refined oil, period, uh, has the same effect on you. And I was like, listen, you got me out here eating tasteless, meatless food. <laughs> and you're going to tell me because I put my green beans in a little bit of olive oil that I'm about to die still? They call it a vegan killer. I was like, I'm done with y'all. I'm done with y'all. Self-care out the window. I'm going to eat what I want to eat. I'm going down to the Golden Corral and we're going to do our thing. <laughs> Yo, I, I don't even know how to even segue and bring I disavow. I disavow. I would disavow this. Golden Corral. Any chance I get. Stop I would it. jump in there and say this. What I've been seeing in my position as, as a physician is I see men who make that decision like you just alluded to, Chris, and then I see their life get out of control, and then I see them get herbed because of the decisions that they made of mm. what not to do. Herb. And I sit there and look at myself again, a real dude like the rest of y'all and don't like to be in situations where I can't be a real dude, but not understanding that it requires you making preventive decisions as well. Because if you make a decision to not do something at a critical junction, when we're over the age of 45 now, that's a critical juncture. And unfortunately, I see them men coming there and they got to eat humble pie. And I'm like, wow. You know, and to me, I understand what you're saying, you know, that I want it to be fun. But I don't want to be a herb at the end where I got people telling me what to do because I've demonstrated that they shouldn't trust my decision making. Because every time something happens, your family tends to be the ones that got to clean it up. They got to go to the hospital. Mm -hmm. They got to deal with you because you can't do everything you're supposed to be doing. And... Sometimes that reveals other pathologies that could have been avoided if you took a more preventive approach. But, you know, everybody got to do them, you know, and at the end of the day, when it catches up or not, that's that's up to us. I could be wrong. And somebody say, well, I did what you said don't do and I'm good. But for all of those people that do that, I've seen a lot where they lose their power as a man. And, I, yeah. and I've seen it even with my own father 
lose his power because he made a decision to go with what was more comfortable. And he came from a family where <clears throat> his grandparents lost their limbs because of diabetes or sugar, mm -hmm. as they called it. His great-grandparents lost limbs because of diabetes and sugar. And he lost limbs and ultimately his life because of diabetes and heart disease. And as his son, and I feel that I, I, I've gotten a lot of the good from him, it's hard that he's not here because that's not what he taught me. That's not how he taught me. Man, thank you for sharing that, man. Thank you for coming on our podcast and being vulnerable. I, I appreciate that. And for you folks that, for you old school folks, 50 plus, that are in the audience right now, <laughs> hey, if you if you know what Herb is, put it on the jam board. If you know what Herb is, put it on the jam board. We're not going to define it right now because we know Sharif don't know what it is and we're not giving him no information tonight. <laughs> Listen, I was... <laughs> Context clues is everything. So it, it was enough there. So I appreciate it. I appreciate it. <laughs> Charles, jump in here, man. You've been kind of quiet. You're young. Boy. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I, I mean you, you know why I'm quiet, though. So, Dr. Phil, I'll explain why I'm quiet. But, Ray, you still sound far away. So if you want to, I don't know if you want to put your mic. But, uh, I'm, you know, I, I want him to sound his best. Uh, I think uh, so. Dr. Phyllis, one, thank you for doing what you do. Uh, we need more black physicians. Uh, I rarely get to talk about the healthcare work. Uh, I'm on a board seat, so it's a lot of stuff I can't talk about, but uh, I know how important it is to have black male physicians. It's one of the hardest things to kind of attract and support, so thank you for that. The reason why they like, why are you quiet? So I've always struggled with the um, with just the way we talk about self-care in this generation, right? Like, um, And I feel like you know, so I know those things to be true. I come from a family of diabetics. It's something that I try to pay attention to, you know, work on, you know, work on my own health as well. You know, I mean, that's something that everybody needs to do. And when I tore up my leg is when my weight kind of took a turn. Right. Like because I used to not be able to even put on weight. Then I couldn't play ball for a year and that kind of torpedoed. And I got to some of the heaviest that I was. But I've kind of gotten that under control since. I guess one of my questions is how do we. How do we make sure that the facts are there, that we are helping create better habits and, and that we're helping people younger, right? So, for instance, you know, I grew up on Kool-Aid, bro. It's very difficult for me to drink water, man. It is so difficult. And I know that's a joke to people. I know people are laughing. But, like, I used to have highly potent Kool-Aid every single day. So now you want me to drink some water. And I got to pay for that water on top of that, which is also hurts, right? Uh, and I live in a community that I moved to on purpose where – Soft drinks are a lot cheaper than actually good water. So I think that how do we strike a balance with helping our people be healthier, make healthier decisions earlier on? Because it's it's hard to change habits the older you get. But also, you know, having that balance piece where the flip side of that is every time we fix the pendulum swings, it goes crazy on the other side. And I don't have a problem with people, employees taking care of themselves. I don't have a problem with teachers and social workers and cops like doing what they need to do for their mental health. I was a social worker. It was, it's real. I do got a problem with, because you didn't handle what you need to handle and now you need a mental health day, kids got to go with subs for two and three and four weeks. Or I do have a problem with like, you know, that being an excuse to not handle your business on the front end and then you mad at that job uh, when, when you didn't do what you needed to do. So um, I know the need for self-care. For self -care. I, I, I hate the term because I think that the term is abused. Can you speak to that and 
and, and and let's not act like for the people that's listening, let's not act like we don't know what people are talking about. Let's not I'm act like I'm glad you said your generation. I'm so glad you pointed that oh, out. Yeah, I, I absolutely all the time. I get demonized for it all the time. I got demonized for it when I was younger, and I think part of the reason I've won because I ain't you ain't even got to be good in my generation, you just gotta keep showing up because other people are not gonna come to work. So I mean, so Dr. Phillips, <laughs> I mean, oh, people you, be hey, needing to- vacation from the vacation. What? Tell me, Ray. Say it. Go ahead. You about, no, you about to set Chris off. Hey, hey, no, no, I'm, no, I'm, I'm cracking up. He's about to get canceled. I don't. I don't. I don't have to set. I don't have to set Chris off. I've managed people. I've managed. I had a team yeah. of like twenty plus people, and it's like, yo, like y'all know, we all went out together the night before. Like you don't get to call in the next day for that thing. Like I was with you, fam. Like what I'm saying is, I don't want this to become the boy who cried wolf. There are real mental health problems. There are real physical ailments that people have. But there is a lot of people that's abusing this moment in time we're in. And and people can disagree with that if they want. But hopefully, Dr. Phillips, I made some Mm. sense. No, no, I I totally get you, Charles. And I do agree with you. It's very frustrating when you come into work every day and you can have just as much of a reason to say, I'm going to take a rest day. And you don't. And other people do. But I think one of the things I would tie into what you've just Uh, examples you just talked about was the fact that, you know, it sounds like in those scenarios that you put out there, a lot of it has to do with taking a preventive uh, step. You know, a lot of people Mm -hmm. wait till things hit the fan. And instead of maybe it being one day, now it's three weeks you out and you knew you was going to be out three weeks if you didn't take care of this. And I think, again, you know, one of the things you speak about, Charles, is accountability. Now, The reason that, you know, another thing that y'all mentioned earlier, and I think it plays a major role, is we need more people in this space that are medical and mental health providers that can relate to the communities that we're trying to address. You know, we need faces that look like us. We need more black male doctors. You know, that's one of the things I'm working on, trying to stimulate interest, not just right now, but people who are in college, people who are in high school, to let them know, hey, you could be a doctor too, because you're right. It does make a difference if you have someone that doesn't look like you, that doesn't really demonstrate that they're compassionate to your life circumstances. Why are you going to listen to them? You know, however, unfortunately, the reality is, you know, health don't care if you don't, if you don't want to listen to something. Yep, if you sure make don't. yourself vulnerable, you're going to get dealt with. And I hate to see it happen. And too many times I have seen it happen. Recently had a patient. Yo, I'm telling you, you need to take your blood pressure medicine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take it. I'm telling you, I don't like how it makes me feel. Next thing I know, I get a call over the weekend. This patient had to go in the hospital, had a stroke. Left side is completely limp now. And the reason that they had the stroke was the fact that they had poorly controlled blood pressure that they had medicines to take care of, but they mm-hmm. chose not to, you know? And, and I think one of the things that I try, cause I used to be on survival mode when I was younger, you know, yo, we gotta, we gotta hold this down. We gotta be able to deal with whatever comes our way. Yo, you gotta stand up against whatever you gotta deal with. But there comes a point in time where we gotta start switching from survival to living. And when I say living, it means paying attention to yourself, even though your body may not be making any noises that may to you demonstrate a problem. 
you know, making sure you do things. So as you guys alluded to earlier with the demands that come in an educational environment, that you have the space and capacity to be able to deal with what may come your way during your workday. Because is it the student's fault or is it my patient's fault? Because I been, haven't been doing my preventive wellness to make sure I could do my job. I think that's on me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, one, one thing I want to say, man, I want to give you your kudos, man. Any review I've ever read, any review I've ever written for you, about you or whatnot, man, you are a magnificent mm-hmm. practitioner. Uh, you handle your, your patients with care. You do the things that need to be done in terms of like having that real talk, that real type conversation with folks to let them know that, hey, the choice is yours. If you want to be healthy, here are the things you need to do. Uh, if you don't want to be healthy, then, you know, I'll I see you in six months, right? Uh, but, but at right. the end of the day, you know, the, the onus is on the person. The onus is on the patient in terms of like, hey, I'm giving you the marching orders. I'm giving you, you know, whatever motivation I can give you. But at the end of the day, you got to do this work yourself, right? And so uh, for the folks that are doing the uh, – well, actually, I think you should be uh, the United States' best position. I don't like what Stony Brook is doing in terms of putting money behind you. They need to put money behind this campaign. I'm shouting it out right now. I'm putting it in the <laughs> putting it in the air right now, you know. And, um, but man, like, so you you talked about so let's 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 stay on the STEM thing, right? So you talked about motivating high schoolers uh, mm-hmm. to want to become physicians. What's your thoughts behind that? What were some of the things that were poured into you that made you want to become a physician? Well, I think you guys just said it. We don't have black doctors. I can feel the mistrust for the medical system amongst each of you, you know, and I, and I respect that because unfortunately I think we've earned, we being the medical profession have earned that, you know, we could talk about Henrietta Lack, we can talk about Tuskegee, but we could just keep it more basic and talk about, yo, when I went to the doctor's office last week, that lady at the desk was real disrespectful. Or I went in the room with the doctor and the doctor didn't even look at me, sat there typing on a computer and did not one time even look at me. Or better yet, the doctor used all these words I don't even understand and doesn't even give me an opportunity to try to ask any questions. How do we change that? One of the ways we change it, again, you know, I appreciate the comments and the compliments, Ray, but I think we need more people from communities like out, like the ones I grew up in and look like me in this space. I think we get more physicians of color, a person like Charles, a person you know, like the other brothers on the call, you know, would be a little more receptive to some of the things that we're talking about. Because I think, again, when individuals don't understand the life of a black person in America, they tend to be very insensitive in ways that can turn us off. You know, I remember when I was in medical school in 1992 at University of Maryland and Rodney King was popping off and I'm walking around tight all day long. Not one person said, hey, you all right? Do you want to take a minute? Should we talk about this as a, as a group? I had to hold all of that. And it wasn't easy. It was very, very challenging. But again, as I said a few minutes ago, I've always been one that believed in a process. Now, because I was a college athlete, a lot of that process of exercise became ingrained from that point moving forward. But then as I got older, I realized that some of those mental health um, activities that keep you in a, in a good space are important as well because all of us on this call have worked very hard to get to where we're at. 
And we would hate for our emotions because we are having a bad day and we didn't handle a moment well to really be weaponized against us. And it can happen, especially if you don't start taking a proactive approach to your overall wellness. Now, again, you know, we've always had to do things to keep ourselves healthy. You know, whether we look, you know, we just haven't always had the time to focus on it because we have been dealing with these other rigors that go into being a person of color in these United States of America. Yeah. Thank you for that. Hey, Reef, who's that? That was Chris. Yeah, Chris, jump in here. Go ahead. I feel like there's always something missing from this conversation. (laughs) Right? Like, seriously, like, 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 in different parts of the country, we're going to have this conversation often. And I don't know what the problem is because I don't think it's a, I don't think it's because we got too many white doctors. I don't think it's because we don't have information about what makes you fat and what don't make you fat. I don't think that we're ignorant as to high blood pressure, like that salt causes problems in your life and that fried foods do bad things to you or whatnot. A lot of our lifestyle stuff, you know, eating at three o'clock in the morning on the way home from the club or whatnot. I don't think we're doing that for our health because we we think it's going to lead us to health. It's fun. It tastes good. It tastes better than what other people are doing. Thank you very much. Um, it's more fun than what you're doing. So I feel like we have a professional conversation and then we have a realistic situation with our people just in general. Right. And I don't know what the, the bridge is between those two places. I think there must be a bridge between those two places, but I don't know what it is because these kind of the professional part of this conversation for me is not terribly interesting because I think it assumes a lot about our our people or whatnot. Listen, I'll just give you one example. I have the whitest, whitest damn doctor ever. And all the nurses are white and everybody there is white. And I pick and choose what I care about when they tell me stuff and I ask questions. And, you know, my doctor, I can remember I was a smoker for years and my doctor showed me a chart once. And he said, I've been for the last three years, every one of your physicals, I have been telling you things about uh, blood pressure, cholesterol and smoking. And he said, this time, I'm not going to talk to you about anything else except for the smoking part. And you can take it or leave it. And he showed me kind of a graph of what happens at people at age 45. And at age 45, smokers separate from everybody else. So at 45, if you're smoking or not smoking, your life situation changes really quick um, if you look at smokers and non-smokers, right? And all he had to do was show me an illustration of like, you about to die. And, oh, by the way, he's one of them nosy doctors that likes to ask you about your kids and all that type of stuff. You know, <laughs> how are they doing? You know, how's your youngest? Oh, she's only 12, is she? Well, it'd be a shame if you can't make it to her wedding. Whoo! But that's bro, real, I, though. That's I, real. I, I, that's I real, little, bro. I got the little whatever they call it, uh, whatever the medication that they give you to stop smoking. And, I, you know, I stopped smoking in seven days, threw a half pack of Newports in the trash. Perfectly good pack of Newports, <laughs> half pack in a trash. And bruh, I like smoking. When I was a smoker. I, <laughs> I wasn't just a smoker. I was a smoking enthusiast. I loved my my. Listen, I made so yeah. many friends with Newports. You know, uh, made so many friends in life. So many social situations like it. So for me to give it up at that point to take the advice at that moment from this super white man and white doctor and whatnot, it just hit home for me what I care about, what I don't care about in that moment. 
Nothing yeah. else happened in that moment. He could have been black, white, Puerto Rican. He could have been whatever. But in that moment, it made sense to me to quit, to quit smoking. So I yeah. did. And, and, and I still and miss that, it every day. Yeah. It's been a long time now. And I still so, miss smoking. What I try to do I like smoking. Is, smoking is fun. What I try to do is <laughs> I try to connect the dots. Like when our brother right here came in to see me. He's a grown man. He's a principal of a school. Who am I to scream and, and demean him and belittle him? I just said, if you keep doing this, then this is going to happen. And all your power in your educational space is going to be gone because you're going to be looked as a sickly person because you ain't handling your business. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and again, I, I got the people that come in and say, you know, my child's wedding is coming up and I want to dance with, have that first dance with my daughter. And they're not doing anything to make sure that that happens. You know, one of the things that, to answer your question, Chris, what is the connection between what you want to do and what you have to do is what Ray just shared at the beginning is going to the ER with the complication of the problem that you may not have been on top of. The one thing I would say to my patients is you got to look at it as a debit card. The debit card, you can't spend nothing on it unless you got money in your account. How do you get money in your account? You get money in your account by healthy habits. And then you can afford on the weekend if I want to blow a box of Newports, you could do that. You know, but if you're not doing things to create that space, the more likely chance that you have to deal with some consequences. I had a surgery that I needed to have my knee. It's not healing. Why doesn't it heal? Because you smoke, you know, or other consequences. So what I try to do is I try to connect one to the other. Now, the other thing, because like yourselves as a black man, I'm pretty connected and attuned to this experience of a man, not just a black man. I hear these men that put themselves because of their lack of taking a preventive stance in positions where they got to take what they get. And that doesn't feel good. That doesn't feel good at all when you got to take what people give you. And unfortunately, it doesn't matter how tough you are in your heart. If your health ain't there, you're going to have to continue to take it. And the, the thing that I learned from is when I see it go from when you were healthy, I told you to do an intervention, you didn't. And now you can't do nothing about it right now. So I'm not mad at them because at the end of the day, it doesn't affect me. I'm disappointed because, again, I am invested in my patients. And to your point, kudos to your doctor that wants to find out about you because the doctor that wants to find out about you and hits you with, yo, what's up with the kids? How'd that camp go this summer? That's what makes you a little more receptive to the things that that's why Ray listens to me. You know, I know everything that Ray is doing. If I hear something, I call him up. Yo, I heard you don't know everything. Trust. You don't yeah, know Ray don't everything. listen to nobody. Ray don't listen Yo, to nobody. So right. listen to you. I'm gonna you must know. email so you can be fully informed. <laughs> this joker, he, he grimy. I got you. I got you. But my point is, again, brothers, the, where the rubber hits the road is not a point that any of us want to be in. Because mm -hmm. it can take all of those things that as you said, Chris, I want to be happy. I want to be happy. You're not going to be happy if you don't set yourself up to be happy. I remember we would do our work in the house. And my, it was six of us kids. 
on Saturdays. That was the Saturday morning. Everybody get up and do work. Pops could chill, you know, and I'd be like, damn, daddy, why you could chill? And every, all the rest of us got to work. And he says, because I did mine already. Now, again, if, if we want to chill, what have we done to earn chill? Because if you haven't earned chill, you want borrowed time or time that's not yours. And unfortunately, you know, you may be somewhere like Charlotte at the Conclave and it all hits, you know, at that moment. Because you know what happens? Because we of that age, Eric, go to your homecoming. And how many times have you gone to homecoming and see someone who's, I'm going to term their bodies like a car. They drive 35 miles an hour regularly. That's, that's how they do their life. They go to homecoming or hanging out for the weekend. They want to do 85 mile an hour stuff. And they car ain't built for it. And then they got a health issue. You know, I've seen them pass out at homecoming. I've seen the following week. Yo, you know, I needed to go to the doctor, you know. But again, my point is we've got to put ourselves in the position to be able to get that enjoyment. So, Dr. Phillips, I, I wanted to just, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I appreciate this. I think, you know, and I, and I think you've driven this part home around what we need to do is like adults and take care of this stuff. And I want to kind of bring this back to, you know, our audience around the educators and the kids and stuff. And I'll set it up and then ask you the question. Right. So, you know, working in I've been on that board for like six or seven years at UCSF. Right. And like one of the biggest issues we had was around getting our kids because we in, I'm in P's. I'm in pediatrics over there. It's a children's hospital. But it's like it's, there's different cultures with different type of people that come. The more wealthy people that tend to be a, a, a lot more light, mostly white people, but not all white. It'd be some black and brown folks in there, too. They talk to their kids different about their doctor. Hey, this is person is supposed to take care of you. This person works for you. Have a relationship with this person. Be comfortable. And a lot of poor people, when they come and bring our, their kids, and, hey, don't touch nothing. Get up. Let's, we're going to get in here. We're going to get out of here. Don't embarrass me. And one of the things we've been trying to do is make our young people, you know, just get them to be more comfortable, right? So in bringing this in around both how that educator can take care of themselves and do preventative things and things, you know, for themselves as a staff, because there, there's a lot of fitness incentives in a lot of jobs across the country, by the way. People like to talk, but they can do that. But then as a, as a, as a, as a trusted educator that kids trust, like you can start to, how can they help kind of take care of themselves, but also start to build that trust in, hey, being healthy is important. And especially in a time where let's be very, if we don't, this, 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 this the A black hand, so we're going to have a real conversation. We live in a time where you can't say the word fat in school. We live in a time where you can't talk about unhealthy habits. We live in a time where if you try to take something out the, out the, out the cafeteria, like a, a vending machine with a lot of sodas and chips or whatever in it, you know, people protest on stuff like that. So in this climate, how do we, what advice do you have for educators to both balance their own health needs, but also let's change, uh, you know, a bit of this, um, a, a feeling that we tend to have around doctors and physicians, especially in a profession that doesn't have a lot of black doctors and physicians that talk like you do. Well, I, I think one of the things, Charles, is, you know, as you, again, you alluded to it, as an educator, you've got the ear to young people. So that means you got the opportunity to give them the jewels that are going to help them grow. And I think in part, like for me, when I'm with my young guns, like, my, my son plays basketball. When his friends come over, all of them got to do 10 push-ups before they get in the backyard, you know? And it ain't all about no pressure, but I want them to start understanding that if, if it's within the, the, um, the space of athletics, 
You got to be physically strong if you want to play sports. You've got to have some. And I think, again, you know, as an educator, you have the ear of the young people. So just like you drop them, them life gems, part of the life gems needs to be, yo, you need to take a proactive approach on your health. You know, real talk. And, and, and that, again, you know, you need to be thinking about, I, I understand, look, I like my, my Uts onion and, you know, uh, sour <laughs> cream and garlic chips. You know, I get them on Linden Boulevard in Queens. When I go into Queens, you know, I grab me a bag every now and then. But I've got that space on my health debit card that I don't feel like I'm abusing it. You know, I got a little cheesesteak spot that I like that, that sandwich. You know, every now and then I go get my chicken cheesesteak. But I think, again, making people understand that those unhealthy things, we can't rely on them exclusively. And the other thing, and this is maybe funny to some, yo, we got to get over the phobia of water. I can't tell you how many older folks that I see have complicated health issues surrounding the fact that they don't drink water. They may take medications that make them predisposed to being dehydrated. They, or may have other health issues, you know, 70 years old, getting a urinary tract infection because you don't have, um, cause you wasn't drinking water. And it's hard, like you said, to tell an older person. So I'm sitting here trying to sell different strategies to a 70 year old who has never drank water. And I'm not a big water person. I put a little lemon juice in it. I bought me a hydro flask where it can stay cold, you know. Um, but again, these are the strategies that I try to do. And I think, you know, I present it in a way, because I'm not perfect, Chris. You know, I've got the things that may not be healthy that I like to do. You know, again, I'm not going to front on that. But I also make space so I can enjoy those things without any conscious about feeling bad that I do too much, you know, because I've created that space with those healthy activities. So I try to sell it in that way. And then the other thing is I, I give them examples. Look at your uncle, look at your grandfather, look at your pops, look at how they can't do what they want to do because they didn't make the decisions that they needed to make. And when they see people that they love, and I'm not saying it like jokes, I'm saying it on a very, very real, real level and a compassionate level because I respect, I respected the hell out of my father. My mm -hmm. father was mm -hmm. God, you know, again, he could, you know, he did, I wouldn't be who I was if it wasn't for him. And in part me loving him so much and respecting him, I accepted his decision to choose the path that led him to his ultimate demise. You know, you know man, I, like, listen, this conversation is making me, this makes me feel hella right wing. The more I listen to this conversation, right? <laughs> like this, this, this makes me feel like Uncle Ruckus because it is 2022. There is not a damn thing we have not read about water, about chemicals, about what's good for you and not good for you. We have kids drinking whole damn bottles, 20 ounce bottles, like a crazy size. It don't even look crazy anymore because it's so normalized in the United States of Mountain Dew and, and, and pink and purple and yellow, all the dyes, all the dyes that have been outlawed in Europe, right? Our kids got them on their fingers and in their mouths. They're eating hot fire Cheetos and Takis for breakfast with a pickle and, 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 and a big ass thing of pineapple, pineapple soda, whatnot. It's poison. 
it's and no hot peppers in those Cheetos, right? It's, it's, it's not not real hot peppers. Yeah. Probably some hot pepper chemical. Like our kids are consuming. We are we are enculturating them into systems of slave food. Uh, everything that you would feed a population that you wanted to fatten up and kill is what the diet is, right? Meanwhile, the other team is out there, and I see them out my window jogging. And the ones who can't jog, they walk real fast by my house, just walking. I'm like, what the hell are they exercising so much for? They know something we don't know, right? They out here like running all day long. Here I am sitting on my butt doing my little work and whatnot. I know when I should drink water and I get hella thirsty and blah, 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 whatnot. I know that just one can of, of what I call pop, what other people might call soda or whatnot, is a can of poison. It really is. And we got kids drinking four or five of them in a day, right? Like unregulated, whatnot. Just one of those. Just one of those is some bullshit, right? I just want to be real with you. Like in a, in a 20 ounce, one of them, right, is like, 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 you know, coming up when they used to give you the little glasses of Kool-Aid. I heard Charles talk about Kool-Aid or whatnot. I would love when the parents or my aunties and everybody would leave so we could have as much as we want. But while they were there, they would give these little ass cups, these little, plat you know, uh, burnt orange or avocado green cups and they pour it. And, you know, everybody would get the same amount or whatnot. And now they weren't doing that for health. They weren't regulating for health. They were regulating because they were cheap, you know, as hell. And they didn't want us drinking all the Kool-Aid. But... But if you left us unregulated for a day or whatnot, what we would eat, all the Twinkies in the house, anything in the house, you know, we, we needed some supervision. Um, so when I look at my own kids now, uh, it's normal to drink like the, what are those little pouches of what? Science? Whatever. The what? Oh, Capri Suns? Yeah, everything we feed kids, the little the goldfish we give them, the Capri Suns, the the juice boxes, the own damn near everything that we even the stuff that has that's supposed to be organic and friendly because the packaging uh, says so. If you read it honestly, the American diet is a is a sham. It's a scam. It's like really meant to kill you. And there's a reason why Europe has outlawed a bunch of this stuff. And there's a reason why there's a whole big part of the population of the other team here in the United States that won't let their kid, kids eat any of that poison, right? Won't have any of it. Yo, so we're, anyways, we're there's my we're Uncle we're Ruckus take on yeah, this, yeah. you know. Yeah, I knew it was coming. It, 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 it's happened like three or four times. I appreciate the Uncle Ruckus uh, portion of the show. All right, so, so, uh, so, so Dr. Phillips, man, I know a lot of folks, uh, a lot of folks that are in New York, a lot of folks that are in San Francisco where this thing is hitting the fan, uh, coming from the World Health Organization and then also... Um, um, some states are, are also uh, putting themselves on high notice about monkeypox, man. Can you can you talk to us ab ab about that? You feel comfortable talking to us about that and like and what what should folks be doing? Well, again, I think you know uh, monkeypox is similar to smallpox. It's a viral infection. Um, it is usually exchanged via respiratory secretions or direct contact. Um, it could take you know anywhere from a couple days to up to three weeks to start to demonstrate, you know, the first symptoms you might have, fever, chills, flu-like symptoms, and then you can have a rash. Mm -hmm. um, the rash can start as some pimples, and I'm sure you've seen the many pictures online of how aggressive they can be. Um, this, uh, again, usually can clear up on its own. Um, there's some antiviral medications that can be helpful. Uh, there's a vaccine that is helpful. Um, as far as where it is, unfortunately, um, rearing its ugly head, it's in situations and populations that have high risk activities. So um, unfortunately, we've been seeing it a lot 
in men who have sex with men. Um, but I would probably equate that to any people that have high risk sexual activities need to be very careful um, again, because that is a space that can, um, you know, where you can contract it very easily. You know, if you are living in those spaces, you know, I would highly encourage you to consider getting vaccinated to protect yourself. And if you are, you know, impacted by monkeypox, I would strongly recommend that anybody you've been in contact with, let them know, you know, you want to let your doctor know if you if you've been exposed so that they can, you know, direct you in the right way. I, I hope that gives you. Yo, no, it, it, it absolutely does. Um, and then because I know we're, we're nearing we're nearing like the end of the show. Uh, I also want to want to get a conversation going about a lot of school districts are going to go into this uh, no shot, no school. Right. And so. And what we're seeing is, is that a lot of uh, parents that are against getting their kids vaccinated for COVID-19 are kind of laxing in terms of getting their kids vaccinated for the things that we would normally get vaccinated for. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, like, what are what is your advice to, to those parents in terms of like, all right, well, I'm against this COVID-19 vaccine. But t- talk to us about how important those other vaccines are and why parents should be uh, marching and beating down doctors doors to get those vaccines for their kids. Well, measles is a deadly disease. You know, polio is a deadly disease. These are all conditions that we've never had to deal with. I'm sure the five of us right here didn't have to deal with that in school. And that's why, because we were vaccinated. Um, Again, one of the things that COVID has done has put a hold on people taking care of themselves in a preventive way. And it's not just adults. We're seeing it in children as well. How are we seeing it in children? Again, not getting into the doctor and falling behind in getting your preventive vaccinations. And you can still get these shots taken care of um, even if you choose not to get the COVID vaccination. So I think the danger is, number one, you could see the reemergence of, you know, these conditions that we haven't seen in many, many years. And the reason we haven't seen them is because of the fact that people have been vaccinated against it. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that, bro. I appreciate that, man. I think that was important for parents to hear. Education podcast. Um, uh, Reef, jump in here, man. I know you got something to say. Oh, Reef, I want to call you out, bro. Somebody texted me and said you called me grimy. What, what's happening, man? What, what are we doing? Why are we getting so many on national television, bro? Wait, wait why they got to text? Nas- why they got to text you and say that? I, 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 I didn't hear you. You didn't hear me. <laughs> <laughs> they they got a Texas right there. Just re- <laughs> yo, replay that joy. You know what I mean, That's all. <laughs> no, listen. I mean, I think this is all like just really important. I, I think you know when you know better, you know we should try to do better. Um, habits are hard to break. Um, I think you for me, uh, we can't ignore the institutional racism and in, in that participates in all of this. You know how many places don't have supermarkets? You know access to healthy food. Um, on Freedom Friday, a couple a uh, couple weeks ago, we were talking to Mike Africa and the things, you know, eating uh, raw food and vegan and things like that that were uh, being encouraged in the black community. They were being disparaged and pushed aside, and now because this uh, economic engine at this point, people are involved in it. New York Times ran a uh, a piece uh, about medical gaslighting. You know, uh, as Joe Ferguson says, fancy way of saying racism. You know, um, came up a few times, uh, you know, a couple of bullets was provider continuously interrupts you, won't let you elaborate, isn't engaged, um, minimizes and downplays symptoms. Right. Like so 
there's research that shows when black folks do go, they, they uh, you know, and they're in pain, they're like, oh, you're not really in pain. That's why you still see, you know, uh, you know, black women who are pregnant and, you know, are still uh, suffering from uh, folks just like not giving them uh, good health care, you know, uh, questioning whether you really have pain, uh, won't order it. Mm-hmm. And I, I saw this in my own family, you know, when my mother was sick, my, my, my sister's a nurse and she was asking for specific uh, imaging and lab uh, work. And they, they sent my mom home with an ulcer and was saying like, oh, she just has an ulcer. Uh, turns out she had, she had cancer, um, but they didn't want to do the extra, you know, the, the extra steps. Right. And so we, we see this kind of things up close and personal um, over and over and over again. So I, I think, yes, we have to make healthy choices and like the institutional racism is, is absolutely real and, and critical uh, to, to all of this. So I agree with you, um, Doc, like trying to, Make sure that we have more people who are, are, are aware, come from our communities, love our communities, and, and can really help, you know, turn things around. Um, you know, I think I saw somewhere where, like, Black men die seven and a half years on average earlier than other, um, you know, other populations. Uh, you know, like, all of that is, and, you know, and, and there are a lot of folks who are like, well, we all going to die. We gonna, you know, but, like, what's the quality of life? And I think, I also think we have a responsibility for this this temple, our body, and to, as you said, to be able to be there for the people that we uh, love. Yeah, and yes, and I, I believe like our time is written, you know, as soon as we're born. So like we all have a certain amount of, uh, you know, of ticks, you know, heart ticks. And I think we sp- we're supposed to be trying to do our best as much as possible and improving every, every day that we can. So, and that's health wise, mental health wise and everywhere else, so. Yeah. yeah, it ain't easy though. It ain't easy. Uh, uh, I, I would agree with you, Sharif. I think again, you know, as I look at the younger doctors or medical students that I teach, you know, that cultural competency, mm-hmm. that awareness of those social issues, even though they may not be something that your community where you live, you have to deal with. This is something that a person that you're taking care of has to deal with, and you just being, you know, sensitive to that can open doors of trust with that between patient and physician or patient and healthcare provider. I think again, you know, we've, as you said before, um, this is a layered approach. I think definitely we've got to look at what is and is not in our communities. You are so right. The access to good food uh, is not present, you know, is not present in all cases. So, you know, yeah, we could say, well, you can choose the healthier things of what you have remaining, but what are we doing to change the quality of stores that we have in our communities? And we've got to get involved on a local level. Again, you know, you see all this energy being put in trying to get likes on social media from people. But if we put that same energy in trying to uplift our communities, you know, like I said at the top, when I walked in Charlotte and saw 25,000 black men, I cannot tell you how powerful I felt. And if we were to take that power and to apply it in our communities, as far as on a local level, improving the resources and things that we have like food sources, medical facilities, um, educational spaces, um, spaces where kids can go to the park, activities, um, and also deal with the social justice issue. You know, again, these are all things that unfortunately can affect and do affect how we take care of ourselves. And when I say we, I mean us African-American people. 
Man, thank you, thank you so much for coming to to to, to bless us, man. If, if one person in this audience got something from this, then I felt like we I feel like we did a good job, right? If this changes one person's health trajectory, right? No matter how right wing this may sound, uh, I think that we did a good job in terms of uh, <laughs> in terms of showing up. So we'll we'll go into our closing thoughts. Uh, Reefus, we'll start with you, sir. I just want to thank Dr. Phillips for you know for being on. You know, appreciate the. Uh, you know, not only the perspective, but just the real, you know, the real life issues, um, you know, that you presented. I, I think all of this is, I think all this is connected, right? Like, you know, educational justice, environmental justice, racial justice, uh, health um, and, and care, and just the well-being of, of people. I think, you know, without love and respect for humanity, like all of these things just, you know, um, you know, pile on to each other. So again, thank you for, you know, thank you for being with us. Uh, Charles. Yeah, man. Thanks. Thanks for coming. I appreciate you being here, man. If you ever get any, you know, young black uh, physicians from that do urban medicine with peds from uh, from from Oakland or the Bay, man, I, I you know, I think you're going to get something really good. I think we got one of the best residencies uh, programs, urban medicine programs in the country. Uh, I think with this, what I would just say to the people that's watching, like, you know, this health thing is it's a really it's a personal thing. It's a tough thing. There's a lot of stuff that we were taught that probably wasn't right. And we got to unlearn it. And it's hard to change bad habits. Again, uh, if you got kids or if you teach or you're in education, start those habits now about talk about drinking water. Cause I, as funny as it sounds, I still got to put crystal light packets or whatever. Like, you know, I'll drink it. I try to drink a whole thing while we're on the show too. Um, either I did it before. That's why I don't have the thing with me, but teach them about water, like teach them about like healthy foods and, and, and healthier snacks and, and just talk about that stuff. Make it be a regular thing. Take care of yourself and take care of yourself in a responsible way, meaning do as much planning around your own mental health and physical health, you know, so it doesn't interrupt. I mean, if, listen, if you're sick and you got to do what you got to do, take care of yourself. I Don't twist my words and say, I don't care about self-care or, or mental health. What I'm saying is... <laughs> As an adult, handle the stuff that you need to handle when you need to handle it, because there's especially if you work in a position where other lives depend on yours. Um, and I think finally, what I would just lead on, uh, you talked about this, uh, Sharif, just around like the food deserts. It's, in some neighborhoods, it's a lot. It's really expensive to be healthy. I, I hear what you're saying, Chris, and I agree with you. But like where I'm at in Dalton, which is a black suburb here, it's a lot of liquor stores. And then you get to the, the food for less, which is the black supermarket. And once you get to the fruit and and the, and the vegetable start place, man, they, they've had I've seen them have food that was molded. That wasn't like it just wasn't the same level. And then you go to a Whole Foods or something or, you know, the jewel in like the white neighborhood. And that stuff is like really expensive. And, and, and you know, so I think one, there's a lot of racial barriers. And two, you still got to protect yourself and protect your family. Uh, and I think, you know, I would end on this. We got to really start taking physical education, uh, you know, serious again. I, I think like when I was in school, there was this component about recess and kids looking forward to recess and going to play. There was this component about playing sports. Here's a here's a tongue-in-cheek answer. Everybody want to do it. Everybody ain't got money. But I think it would be cool as hell. If there was an American Ninja Warrior like set like at like uh, on, on elementary and middle school campuses like that kind of um, obstacle course type stuff. Like you got to make physical education and stuff fun. Um, and we got to stop shying away from real real conversations about our health because we're in an age where people will say what makes other people feel good, but
but leading them straight to a path of death, destruction, and, and, and being hurt. Like, we should be able to have healthy conversations. I am not at a healthy weight. Most people aren't. You know what I mean? And I know that we'll talk about people's bone structure being constructed a certain way, but I know how I was eating right after that injury. I knew what I know. Everything was fried, fam. Like, everything was Uber Eats. You know what I mean? And that's something that I'm just going to be honest about, right? But People are scared to lose their jobs about trying to talk about that stuff. And I think some people are making business decisions to not talk about it. But if we love our, this is why we need more black physicians. This is why we need more black educators. This is why you need people that love you and your community that are not afraid to say what, what is actually uh, the truth for when you love somebody. It's easier to kind of pawn that stuff off if you just if you just go into a job in that other neighborhood where you get paid and you get two or three months off and you get to take a vacation from your vacation, it's easier to walk away from stuff. So that'll be my final thought. And thank you to our guests for being there. Yeah, appreciate that. Uh, Chris. Mm. Welcome. Here comes the contrarian part of the show. <laughs> I, I think all of it. No, no, I think all of it's a bunch of BS. I think all of it is. It's a scam. It's a scam and it's a hustle. All of it's a scam and all this healthy talk. Oh my God, we got to drink more water. We got to drink water. We're going to die. The racist people don't want to tell us to drink water. Listen, let's just have a, let's have a reality check on a couple of things. So yes, we are born into a culture that has food all wrong. Entire food system is wrong. Other countries have done things that we have not done to protect consumers from garbage, from poison. Let's not call it garbage. It's actual, actual voluntary poison that we are taking in every day. And um, so there are things that are outside of our control in this capitalist country on that accord. There is also a truth to the fact that there are some things like with the water. For instance, we talk about Flint. We don't talk about the fact that Flint wasn't the worst case of the lead in the water in the United States. As a matter of fact, many communities, once they started testing, found that they were worse than Flint. And we never, the story never really got out that far. Allentown, Newark. You can just go down the list. Watts, you know, like, like yes, lots of other places in the country. And, and, and in those places, there was, an ex, there was a jump in special education uh, students. So we are literally being poisoned by our government, uh, by our city managers, by our state. So that's involuntary poisoning. That's not our own choice. No, you, what are you going to do? Smell your water and like, oh my God, does it smell like lead? Come on now. You know, so, so the, I, I give on that point. The voluntary part of our poisoning is a choice. And it's not a, it's not a bad choice in that it's, I, I get why I make bad decisions and other people make bad decisions sometimes, right? We know we're supposed to sleep eight hours. How many of us actually literally get eight hours of sleep? It's not because we're ignorant or because white doctors haven't been nice to us enough. Eight hours is kept. You know, seven <laughs> hours, six hours. Well, well, but D, I, I, went, I went through four and a half hours of sleep for a few years, as a matter of fact. You. Right? you know, four and a half, five hours. Five was my like, you know, if I got like five and a half or 520, you know, I'd wake up feeling like, oh, my God, I did a little something tonight. Right. Our, a lot of our kids actually stay up late. They're night owls. They're not like morning people. They're night owls. And then, you know, you don't want to eat because you stayed up so late. When you get in, you know, get ready for breakfast, you're, 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 your clock is all off. You got all these things going on. But it's not like you're doing these for in, invalid reasons. There's a, there's a lifestyle. There's a culture to that of wanting to stay up late, wanting to eat what you want to eat, stuff that tastes good, that doesn't taste bad. Um, not always wanting to, you know, you work eight hours a day with people you hate. 
and then you come home and you're supposed to like jump up and down with a jump rope or some shit like you know i get it like you know but i get why people make the choices that they make also too three-fourths of the population is overweight extremely overweight that's not something that used to be that that started escalating with all the portion problems in the United States. People come here from all around the world and they see our portions and they wonder what, what the hell is wrong with us that we can't see why we're dying. So uh, here's where I say, like, like I give on the stuff that the system is doing things to us that are out of our control. And I also uh, have a middle ground where I believe some of us are making decisions not because we lack information or because the world is is uh, racist, but because there is a benefit to it. Like you can eat food that you feel like eating that tastes good. Um, you can rest instead of exercising when you're supposed to exercise. You can stay up late and binge watch whatever you want to binge watch, whatever. There's a payoff to that. I hear what the doctor is saying here, though, though, is the ultimate payoff will find you if that's the way you think. So you got to decide, do I want to die at 65? Do I want to die at 75? Do I want to die at 85? And you start looking at what happens to people who live to 85 versus the ones who live to 40 or 45 or whatever, and make your own decisions around those things. Um, that The last kind of thing that I'll say that that is really a contrarian here, though, is that we got to get out of this habit of making everything like is being done to us type of stuff and giving ourselves it, ignorance in an information society in 2022 is a choice, right? I don't want to sound like Kanye, but there's no, too you're much not sounding like Kanye. You're sounding like Ian Rowe. No, I'm not. There's too much information in this world that we already know. I'm not going to downgrade my people's intelligence uh, by pretending like they don't know it. Like, like, like my people do know a lot of things. Some of the stuff that I'm telling you about, like food and the food supply or whatnot, I learned from people that actually like were those Afro vegan types who aren't walking around with a lot of trust in the system and a lot of money and blah, blah, blah. They do see the conspiracy and all these things. I would have never become a vegetarian when I first became a vegetarian if it wasn't from the Afro-vegan types who were living in the hood, right? And Charles, I heard what you said. You said it's expensive to go get the healthy food. Well, first of all, how much is your health worth? But second of all, you got a lot of other stuff that, that is not inexpensive either, right? You know, oh, I got you. The Cinnabon. And what you said something that I thought was super interesting when you said that. You said, you know, you ain't got the fresh food, you know, blah, blah, blah. You got the liquor stores and the blah, blah, blah. And you got to go past them to get to. Wait, what? Liquor stores? Mm -hmm. Well, those that's expensive, too. I mean, last yeah. time I checked, Crown, Crown Royal ain't cheap. Right? Well, that's like the longest final you know, thought okay. I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Take take the camera back. Take the camera. Now we, back. we. I mean, we talking. I think. I mean, but but I mean, we. I, but listen, this is like the fifth week in a row where the show ain't started to the end. Like so, like one. I agree with you. I don't. I actually don't. I actually don't disagree with you. And what I would say is, and I and I heard what the other brother was saying because when I I put this in the chat, but like when I lived in Kentucky, them white folks in them trailer parks was overweight and struggling with some of this stuff too. What I was saying though was like when we're I was acknowledging the systemic piece that Sharif was talking about and what that looked like in some places because some people not not aware of that. I think even in the midst of that stuff though, there are still choices that we make. But again, if it's a lot easier to buy. It's it's a lot easier to buy that that pack of chicken legs and 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 get some lard and do whatever when you got a family of six than it is to like go through that Whole Foods. I'm just saying, like I, I'm it's it's not impossible, Chris. But what I'm saying is, if somebody's bulk buying and trying to 
make it happen. Like, you know, you're going to make watch, certain watch choices. Watch the immigrants. Watch the immigrants. Watch what the Somali families are buying in bulk uh, here in my state versus what everybody else is buying. So, yeah, I don't, so, I don't, I don't, I just don't deny. Sorry, Ray. I just, cause yeah. you know, you, I know you want these genuine moments. So, <laughs> it's a good clip to uh, but I, I'll just say this though, and, and I'll throw it back to you, Ray, in less than a minute, cause I just want to be represented well. And I, and I get what you're saying. There's a lot of personal decisions, there's a lot of cultural things that I think in individual homes that can probably shift. I think everything that we listed, all of us, I got a lot of those vices that you've mentioned. I won't even speak for the rest of y'all, right? I think I think all of us have a nagging thing, right? Everybody got their favorite bag of chips or them cookies or whatever, you know? Like y'all y'all are married, y'all wives is probably telling you put that down, don't do this or whatever. My only point was I ain't even worried about you old people. I ain't trying to say it like that. What I'm saying is for the people that's working with young people, yeah. I'm saying right now it's easier to put somebody on a path of better habits for the way, like when we'll be on, Ray will do jumping jacks in the middle of the damn meeting, which I love, right? But what I know Ray did is his kids grew up with a different level of health or thinking or consciousness. It's easy to do that if I was doing it at six than if I start doing it at 46. That was my only point. Yeah. I, ahead, so right. I was trying to I was trying to introduce a new portion to the show, at least the shows that I produce called Rapid Fire. But we done took up so much time in these final thoughts that I can't even get to it. So shout out to Principal Confederate. I mean you can. We done went over on a lot of stuff before. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. All right, so 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 not to <laughs> I'm just gonna do a, a, a word a word association with you, right? I'm gonna say a word and you say uh in a sentence uh what, what that word means to you. Good? Okay. Black men. Powerful. Poverty. Affecting many of us. Healthcare. Should be available to all of us. Prescription drugs. Expensive as hell. STEM education. Important for us to get more doctors of color into this space. Cool. Bro, can you take us to your final thought? Before you do that, I just want to say the right answer to all those words was scam. Scam. That was the answer to all of those things that you just said. It's all a scam. Chris, you are killing things. Raymond right now. Ray is trying to close out the show. Hey, go I'm, ahead, I'm, Raymond. Hey, I'm telling y'all right now, his scam. show, I'm not coming to. All right. So, uh, go ahead. Final thoughts. Hey, man. Um, I first wanted to say thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to be here with all of y'all. Um, I appreciate the perspectives. Um, again, in my humble opinion, I think we've got to take a more preventive approach when it comes to our health. We've got to find out what we need to work on. And that comes from going to get a physical exam. You know, um, I think we need to take advantage of preventive testing, things like a colonoscopy, things like prostate cancer screening with a digital rectal exam and a PSA lab check. You know, and I think, you know, as we continue to move into this pandemic, we need to continue to consider the vaccination. If you, if that's what you want to do, I mean, I think for myself, I, I came back from Charlotte and I didn't get COVID and I was, I felt very good about, you know, my protection. And I saw some people that did get it and who were vaccinated and they're doing okay. So, you know, I just think that we've got to be proactive because if we're not proactive, then I think that we're going to compromise our abilities to protect and be there for our own families. And I think as educators, we've got to start the message of healthy living and proactive healthy living 
as early as possible. And I'm not saying don't enjoy your Kool-Aid, you know, or what have you, but I'm just saying that as you start to grow up, understand with that health debit card, you got to deposit into it so that you can spend on those times when you want to spend on it. So thank you very much, fellas. Yeah, we appreciate you, sir. And so for all you guys listening, make sure you go and check that Jamboard out, put some things on there for us. Uh, and we will uh, see you next week. Uh, we appreciate you.